Welcome to The Last Theory, an easy-to-follow exploration of what might be the last theory of physics, Wolfram physics. I'm Mark Jeffrey, and this is episode 16, What is a Hypergraph? In previous episodes, I've been simulating Wolfram physics using graphs like this one. But you may have come across simulations of Wolfram physics using hypergraphs like this one. So what's the difference? What is a hypergraph? Let's go back to what a graph is. A graph is a collection of nodes and edges where each edge goes from one node to another node. Remember that the direction of an edge matters. An edge from node 1 to node 2 is not the same as an edge from node 2 to node 1. It's important to keep in mind that what I'm showing you when I'm showing you a graph is a visualization of an abstract mathematical construct. In this visualization, for example, I've chosen to represent the nodes as white dots and the edge as a white arrow. But I might have chosen instead to represent the nodes as brown crabs and the edge as a pink snake. These crabs and snakes aren't real, they're just my way of visualizing the nodes and edges of the graph. And the same goes for the dots and arrows. They're not real, they're just my way of visualizing the nodes and edges of the graph. So what is real? What, when it comes down to it, is a graph? Well, I've said it already, a graph is a collection of nodes and edges where each edge goes from one node to another node. It might help to lose the crabs and the snakes, lose the dots and arrows even, lose the visualization entirely, and represent the graph using numbers instead. That edge from node 1 to node 2 could be represented as the number 1 followed by the number 2 separated by a comma in curly brackets. Again, the direction of an edge matters. An edge from node 2 to node 1 could be represented as the number 2 followed by the number 1, again separated by a comma, again in curly brackets. Using this numerical notation, the edges in a complex graph like this one could be represented as a long list of pairs of numbers in curly brackets. All those numbers in the list, between 1 and 203, represent the 203 nodes in this graph, and all those pairs of numbers in curly brackets, such as 1,34 and 98,203, represent the 402 edges in the graph, such as the edge from node 1 to node 34, and the edge from node 98 to node 203. OK, so it's, it's much easier to see what's going on in this graph if we do visualize it with dots and arrows. But that list of pairs of numbers in curly brackets is just as good a representation of the graph. In some ways, the numbers are a better representation of the graph than the dots and arrows. I made many arbitrary decisions when I created that visualization. And no, I'm not just talking about using dots and arrows rather than crabs and snakes. I made some far more pernicious decisions than that. For example, I decided to lay out the nodes in a two-dimensional space. In a way, this was just a matter of convenience. The screen on which you're watching this video is two-dimensional, so it made sense to visualize the graph in two dimensions. But as we've seen, this graph is not two-dimensional. It might be two-and-a-half-dimensional, or 3.37-dimensional, or nine-dimensional instead. 
check out episodes 9, 10 and 11 of The Last Theory about dimensionality for more on this. By laying out the nodes in two-dimensional space, I imposed on you, the viewer of the visualisation, an assumption, an incorrect assumption as it turns out, about the dimensionality of the graph. Perhaps even more pernicious were my decisions as to precisely where to position each of the nodes in two-dimensional space. Again, in a way it was just a matter of convenience, I wanted the visualisation to be as clear as possible, so I spread the nodes as evenly as possible over the space available, and I tried to make each of the edges about the same length. But as we've seen, nodes don't have positions, and edges don't have lengths in some putative space outside of the graph. Rather, the graph is space. And again, check out episodes 6 and 7 of The Last Theory about space for more on this. So again, by positioning the nodes as I did, I imposed on you, the viewer of the visualisation, assumptions, deeply misleading assumptions, about the nature of space itself. That list of pairs of numbers in curly brackets might not be so helpful when it comes to seeing what's going on in this graph, but at least it doesn't misrepresent the universe. So let's do an experiment. If the numbers are a better representation of the graph than the dots and arrows, then let's take the numbers seriously. If pairs of numbers in curly brackets, such as 1,34 and 98,203, are a true representation of the universe, then I have a question. Why pairs of numbers? Why are there always two numbers inside the curly brackets? Why not three? This question might never have occurred to us if we'd gone on visualising graphs using dots and arrows. But now that we're using pairs of numbers in curly brackets to represent the graph, it's an obvious thing to ask. So let's put three numbers in each set of curly brackets and see what happens. We've been visualising a pair of numbers in curly brackets, such as 1,2, as an edge from node 1 to node 2. So if we're going to put three numbers in curly brackets, such as 1,2,3, how would we visualise that? Well, we can still interpret the numbers 1, 2 and 3 as nodes, and visualise them as white dots. And, well, there's still an order to the numbers, so we can still visualise the relationship between the nodes as white arrows, though we'll now need two of them, an arrow from node 1 to node 2, and another arrow from node 2 to node 3. But we're not quite there yet. The trouble with these two arrows is that they look like two edges, one from node 1 to node 2 and another from node 2 to node 3. We need some way of showing that we're not looking at two relationships, one between nodes 1 and 2 and another between nodes 2 and 3, but at a single relationship between nodes 1, 2 and 3. We can do that by joining the three white dots and the two white arrows with a transparent white web. So. What should we call this relationship between three nodes, represented by three numbers in curly brackets and visualised as three white dots, two white arrows and a transparent white web? Well, what have we been calling a relationship between a pair of nodes, represented by a pair of numbers in curly brackets and visualised as two white dots and a white arrow? We've been calling it an edge. So, let's call this relationship between three nodes a hyperedge. We can apply rules to hyperedges in exactly the same way as we apply rules to edges. 
Here's the rule I used to generate the graph I showed you at the start of this episode. It's the rule I've used many times before, where we find two edges from the same node, delete one of them, and create three new edges from the three existing nodes to a new node. And a quick note for the algebraically minded, now that I've introduced the numerical notation for edges, that rule can also be written x, y, x, z goes to x, z, x, w, y, w, z, w. Okay, if that's too algebraic for you, don't worry, just move on. <laughs> so here's the rule I used to generate the hypergraph I showed you at the start of this episode. To apply this rule, we find a hyperedge, any hyperedge, we delete it, and we create three new hyperedges from the three existing nodes, each to two of three new nodes. Again, the rule can be written algebraically. X, y, z goes to x, u, v, z, v, w, and y, w, u. And again, just ignore that if you don't like algebra. Point is, if we apply this rule over and over again, a beautifully bubbly hypergraph emerges. So there you have it. An edge joins two nodes. A hyperedge joins three nodes. A graph is a collection of nodes and edges. A hypergraph is a collection of nodes and hyperedges. With this, we've dramatically expanded the repertoire of rules we can apply in Wolfram physics. As well as applying rules involving edges to evolve graphs, we can apply rules involving hyperedges to evolve hypergraphs. In future episodes, that's precisely what I'll be doing. So this is good, right? Except that this expansion from graphs to hypergraphs raises more questions than it answers. Here's one question. Can we mix edges and hyperedges in the same graph or hypergraph? Here's another. If we can put two or three numbers in each set of curly brackets, then why not one or four or 17? In other words, if an edge joins two nodes and a hyperedge joins three nodes, then what joins one or four or 17 nodes? And here's a more fundamental question. Using graphs of nodes and edges to represent the universe seemed like a good idea when we started exploring Wolfram physics. These graphs look a bit like space. Applying rules to evolve these graphs looks a bit like the evolution of the universe over time. Using Hypergraphs of nodes and hyperedges to represent the universe seems similarly promising. Again, these hypergraphs look a bit like space, and again, applying rules to evolve these hypergraphs looks a bit like the evolution of the universe over time. But it's all starting to seem a little arbitrary. Which is it? Is the universe a graph, or is it a hypergraph? Or is it something else entirely? Maybe it's a hyper-hyper-hyper-hypergraph of nodes and hyper-hyper-hyper-hyper-edges. With all these mathematical constructs looking a bit like our universe, how do we choose one over any other? Thanks for listening to The Last Theory. Join me for fresh insights into Wolfram physics every other week. Subscribe to the free newsletter, podcast or YouTube channel at lasttheory.com. After all, this might be the most fundamental scientific breakthrough of our time.